Julie plus Lisa equals Julisa. Julisa. A little simple math to begin your day, just so that you know how to say my name. Hello, truth seeking mates. Thank you for being here today. This is Truthfully Thinking, your podcast where theology, apologetics, and a thinking lifestyle merge. Welcome, welcome to all moms, dads, teenagers, Christian thinkers, truth seekers, non Christian thinkers. Thank you for being here today. I'm super excited to do this. It has been long put off and I am finally doing it. I think the last excuse that I used was that I didn't have a mic, so there's no way I could ever record a podcast without a mic and finally purchased it. And well, here I am using it. So very happy to be here with you guys today. I do want to point out the little track in the beginning for my intro. Um, It pretty much includes encompasses, encompasses, I think, encompasses, um, who I am. And if I was a track, if I was a 15 second track, that's probably what I would sound like. Um, super busy, um, a little Latin in there because I am Hispanic and the love of jazz when I'm reading or working from home, which is no longer happening, but still get to have those snow days like today. Um, anyway, just want to point out that my podcast is in English and in Spanish. This is the English pilot and I will be recording the Spanish pilot next. And I am very excited to get started. Um, but before I do that, I would like to give a little background on where I come from. And the reason for that is because I am am actually going to pronounce some words incorrectly and maybe a little weird. And the reason that's going to happen is because, first of all, I'm bilingual. So the fact that I'm bilingual kind of gets in the way of speaking either Spanish or English. So if I'm speaking English, the Spanish kind of gets in the way um, when I'm pronouncing certain words. And also, I grew up with Salvadorian parents, but I was raised in Canada. So the English that I learned um, to speak and to write is a little different from the American English. So because of that, some words, I kind of have a hard time figuring out how I'm supposed to pronounce (laughs) in the American way. Um, Like the word I just was, was just using, encompass. And I was about to say encompassing because that's like my reaction to want to pronounce. Um, But anyway, I think that's too much information now. I'm just going to go ahead and um, dive into the topic. But I just wanted to explain that if you hear me saying some words a little weird, it has to do with the whole bilingual situation, growing up in Canada, relearning American English when I came here, um, etc, etc. So without any more non-relevant information (laughs) to the topics. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get 
right into what I want to talk about today. And today, I'd like to talk a little bit about feminism and how it has trickled into our churches. And to be quite honest, that word trickled is used lightly, especially because it seems like it's flooding our churches more than trickling. And even though I like to listen to a lot of apologists and I like to listen to a lot of female apologists, I haven't found a lot of content addressing some of the issues that I'm going to raise. Maybe there are women out there who have, and I just haven't found it, but it could also be because I'm in the unique situation where I attend a Hispanic church, and maybe this is an issue that is happening more in the Hispanic church. Um, but because of how feminism is growing quickly um, in America, I think it's going to affect every church eventually, and I'd like to raise the issues now, if it hasn't already. So... I do want to point out that I clearly have it in my mind and I do know that historically feminism started with a good agenda. They had um they had good intentions. Their intentions were um good. They wanted to better the lives of women. They wanted them to be able to vote. They wanted them to be able to work, to own property, and all that good stuff. And they are good things for women. You know, they um, made life for women better. Um, so I'm not trying to make it out to be where everything 100% in feminism is bad. I don't think 100% of feminism is bad. I do think it started well and somewhere along the line we've lost sight of the good things that were originally trying that they were originally trying to accomplish. Now I do think that the people who are promoting feminism believe it's a good thing. Obviously, I don't think I know anyone who wants to promote something they think is bad for other people. In some way, they believe it's a good or positive thing for people. And that's why they promote it. For the most part, you know, there's psychopaths out there who I'm sure <laughs> will promote things even if they know they're evil. But for the most part, people usually promote things they believe in or think they're good or at least believe it to be so. So I I am not here to condemn anybody who does not claim to be a Christian or any non-Christian women who believe in feminism because it would make sense for them to believe that it's a good thing, Okay. Um, you know, they would, they would be in the right to believe those false ideas because they don't have the truth. They don't know what the, what the truth is. So there is no way for them to know the difference between, 
you know, what the proper way of viewing women would be and what their rights would be, um, biblically speaking, as opposed to what the secular view is. Okay, so I hope I'm making sense somehow. Now, I also am not here to deny that the oppression for women still exists. It absolutely still exists in other countries. Okay, I, as a matter of fact, actually, I was reading an article not too long ago about the 10 worst countries for women to live in right now. And, well, guess what country was not on that list? Yeah, you guessed it. The United States was not on that list. Okay, as a matter of fact, um, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure that none of the countries mentioned on that list were even in the continent of America. I believe, and I'll have to go back to check the article to make sure, but I believe that the 10 worst countries for women to live in were in Asia, in Middle East, in Middle, the Middle East and Asia, I believe. I do not think they mentioned any countries in Africa. And I'm sure there there are countries in Africa, but they were only listing the 10 worst countries for women. But I'll have to go back to to check and check my resources to make sure that that's correct. But I can almost assure you that none of the countries on that list were any of the countries in the continent of America. So just a little eye opener there. I do believe oppression for of uh, the oppression of women still exists. I just do not believe that that oppression is is happening here in the United States. Now, I believe that women not making the same amount of money as men could be considered a disadvantage. I do not consider it oppression, not in the least, okay? Now, I also want to say that in these countries where oppression happens towards women, these women go through a lot of physical and emotional suffering and pain. Now, the only pain that it may cause you to not make as much money as men make would probably be our pride. Let's be real. And I think that a lot of this has to do with pride. And I say this because as Christian women, again, this is not for women who do not identify as Christians. This is not for women who do not believe or stand or um, in, in the least identify themselves with Christianity. Um, I'm talking to women who believe to be Christians, women who say to be Christians, women who um, would consider themselves godly women. Okay. I want to strongly, strongly advise um, moms to please not teach your daughters to victimize themselves. 
and to dads, you know, even to dads, don't teach your daughters to victimize themselves. Don't teach your daughters that they are somehow oppressed because they don't make the same amount of money as men, that they're somehow oppressed because there aren't as many CEOs that are female as men. Don't, don't, don't do that. Okay. Taking the position of victimization is a serious, serious thing. Victimization happens when a crime is committed against someone. Okay. This is, you know, women who have been raped, women who have been victims of domestic violence. These are victims. They deserve to be victimized because they, they, um, I don't mean that they deserve to be victims in the sense that they deserve to be, you know, um, raped or anything. That's not what I meant. I meant to say that they deserve to, um, have, a uh, to be victims and to have the victimized mentality because a crime has been committed against them. So obviously that's going to happen to them. They're going to have that process. They're going to have to go through that process of being a victim. But when a crime has not been committed against you, do not make these situations into an opportunity to victimize your daughters. If anything, you know, you can't teach your daughters to victimize themselves because they somehow feel offended by the fact that they don't make enough money as men or are not in a high position in the in a business or etc cetera, etc cetera. okay if anything we need to start teaching our children that guess what so many things are going to happen in life that are going to cause you to feel offended And instead of teaching your child to cry about it and victimize themselves over it, teach them to be resilient. Teach them to react in a Christ-like manner. Okay, teach them to be able to model Christ in the midst of those situations. Now, that would begin with us as parents modeling that for them, okay? Of course, it helps to talk to them about it, but modeling it is always the best way to go. Now, I'm not saying that's easy. That's coming from a person who struggles with self-control when it comes to those situations, But the point is that you don't teach them to victimize themselves over an offense. Don't teach them that. Now, I want to reiterate and make it clear that it is completely understandable for non-Christian women or people in general to fall in that trap because they don't have the truth. They don't know any better. They are full of false ideas. But it does not make sense for us. We need to remember what Romans 12.2 says, that we have to renew our minds. We cannot conform to the ways of this world, to thinking like this world, 
to acting like this world, we cannot do that. We have to renew our minds. And with that, I want to go to the next point. And it is that as Christian women, we need to stop teaching our daughters, our sisters, moms, female friends, whatever. Stop teaching them that earning the same amount of money as men, that gaining a higher position in a business, or that having a successful career is somehow going to add value to them, or that somehow it's going to give them value. It is so important that we learn this quickly. Our value, our value is human beings. Our value is women. The value of men does not come from the amount of money we earn, from whatever positions we have in a business, or from how successful we are in a career, or how much property we own, or if we vote or don't, or if we have a job, or if we are, um, or if we have the right um, to choose abortion or not. Our value does not come from that. Our value comes from the fact that we have been made in the image of Christ. Period. You have done nothing to earn that value. You were born with that value. You were born with the value of the image of Christ. We need to remember that. This is so serious for me because I have seen how feminism has trickled flooded, inundated our churches. It is crazy how often you will have a conversation, or used to before COVID anyway, with a female from church. And just quickly, at least for me, it was just so easy to recognize those feminism ideas. And it's becoming this dangerous situation because you have to understand that these, the, our daughters are going to grow up to be wives. Our daughters are going to grow up to be um, moms. Our sons are going to grow up to marry women. Those females. And if they have this mentality of victimization because of these issues that offend them somehow, or if they grow up thinking that, what they have, what they do, what they earn, what they accomplish somehow is what gives them value, they're going to live that out and then eventually teach it to their own children. This is not a biblical idea at all. Biblically speaking, we have been made in the image of Christ and that's what gives humanity value. And this whole feminism movement, feminism move, feminism movement, <laughs> there goes the pronunciation issue I was talking about. This whole feminism movement just kind of 
it just devalues the gospel um, because it shifts the focus to um, making the things that we can do or earn a priority over the things that we can do in Christ. And to go back to this whole, the whole value issue, you know, think about it like if you had a $100 bill and say it was like this new crisp bill when you got it from, from the bank, right? And then you somehow dropped it and it fell in, I don't know, a trash can and it got dirty and stained and it got, it smelled and it got wrinkled if you came back and looked for that bill and found it and thought, oh man, this bill is so disgusting, it's dirty, it's wrinkled, it's ugly, does it does it lose does it lose value? See, the one hundred dollar bill is still worth one hundred dollars. And even in the condition that it is, if you take it to the store and pay for something they're still going to take those $100. They're not going to care that it's dirty or wrinkled or stained because the $100 bill still is worth $100. In that same sense, okay, even the women who are being oppressed in those countries, even though they're being treated the way they're being treated, hurt the way they're being hurt, they still have that same value than any other women who have the right to vote, who have a job, who can own property. Now, do not take me out of context. I am not saying that it's okay for women in these countries to be treated the way they're being treated. It is never right for one human being to degrade another human being. Okay, I'm not, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that even though that is happening, they still have the image of Christ and they are still valuable human beings. And guess what? They're not any less valuable than the women in this country who have the right to vote, who own property, who have jobs, who can be successful. We still all have the same value. Different life conditions, obviously, ours being better here, um, and theirs not so much, but in that same line of thought, value is still the same. I wanted to, I just wanted to get that out of the way. It's just, it's one of those things that I think the church has it clear. Like, you know, we, we all have clear that we've been made in the image of Christ and that, that gives us value. But somewhere along the lines, somewhere along the way, we forget it because we hear all of these feminist ideas and it just really, it worries me because I have a daughter. She is only three right now. But I tell you, 
that I keep thinking about what kind of adult she would be if I taught her to victimize herself for everything that happens to her, for everything that offends her, or if I taught her that her value is directly related to the condition of her life or to how much money she makes or how successful she is. And it just breaks my heart to think that there are many women out there who believe this. And even worse, women who, th- who say to be Christian. And they have, la- they have allowed these lies to take over their lives. It's just, I don't know, uh, something that was really weighing down in my heart. And I just, I just needed to say something about that. The other thing, issue that I wanted to point out about this whole feminism problem is, and I want to be very careful on how I say this, because I've seen this in so many churches, and it's just one of those things that I don't know if anyone has ever clearly sat down to think about what I'm about to say. I have heard so many times people say that the prayer of a mother is powerful. Now, I don't disagree 100% um, with that phrase. I do believe that The prayer of a mother has power. But I don't believe that the power is in the fact that she's a mother. And I think that that's what that phrase implies. When we say that the prayer of a mother has power, the emphasis here is in the fact that it's a mother who's praying. Now, notice how sneaky that false idea is. Because... The power of prayer is not in who is praying. The power of prayer comes from the Holy Spirit. Okay? The power of prayer is not dependent on us. Okay? The power of prayer is dependent on the Word of God. So, the fact that we believe that somehow the prayer of a mother is powerful is not entirely false, but rather erroneous in making the emphasis that it's a mother who's doing that prayer. Because have you ever heard the prayer of a father is powerful? See, I don't hear that. And And the times I have heard it, there's never an emphasis on the fact that it's because he's a father. Now, I don't know about you, but this whole idea of the prayer of a mother being powerful, there is feminism in there. Think about this for a minute. Don't just disregard it. The emphasis is in the fact that it's a mother, that it's a woman who is praying This is a feminist idea. It's elevating something 
because a female is doing it. Just so that you can see how feminism is sneaking into our churches and we are not even realizing it. And not just that, I just, and I'm hoping nobody from the church who invited me is listening, but um, I just was recently invited to a church and their specific request for the teaching they wanted me to teach and the, the specific request they made was they wanted me to teach about the power of a woman's worship. I, just think about that for a minute. The power of a woman's worship. Well, what does that mean? Is the power of a woman's worship somehow more powerful than a men's worship? Is the power of worship dependent on the sex of the person or the gender of the person who is worshiping? No. But see, we make these concepts that without realizing it, we make them out of these feminist ideas that somehow we need to elevate what we're doing in the church because the fact that a woman is doing it makes it more special somehow. And so we elevate that. We, to, we need to be very careful with how we're doing this. We need to make sure that we don't continue doing it. Now, maybe it's just me. Because again, maybe it's unique to my situation because the churches I do attend are Hispanic. So maybe this is just a problem I've seen in the Hispanic church, but I doubt it. I see posts all the time saying things about how the prayer of a mother is powerful and, or, or somehow more special than a father's prayer. Now, notice how if we elevate anything that women do in the church, it's okay. But if we ever would try to elevate things that men do in the church, oh, poor things. I mean, we'll, we'll send them straight to hell because that's just not allowed. It's okay to elevate women over men now. But you can never do that if it's the other way around. Now, do not think that I am saying that it's okay to elevate men over women. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I come from a culture where machismo exists a lot and I'm not for that. Not because, oh, I don't like it and I'm prideful and I'm a woman. No, that's not it. I'm not for that because it's not biblical. Machismo is not biblical. Okay, period. That's the reason why I'm not for it. And that's enough for me to not be for it. I do believe that the man has a specific role in the family, that he is the spiritual, the spiritual leader, or supposed to be anyway, of the family, and that he is the head of the household. I do believe that 100% that's biblical. And if it's biblical, I'm for it. What I do not believe is that men should be elevated as somehow better than women, 
or that women should be elevated to be somehow better than men. Neither of those work because it's not biblical. We all hold the same value. We have all been made in the image of Christ. Our gender does not make us more valuable. Our gender does not add to our value or subtract to our value. We all have the roles we have to play in society, in our families, and every role is extremely important because without those roles, society and family would not work. The fact that I play that role in society or in my family does not add or subtract value to me. I just wanted to make it clear how sneaky these feminist ideas are slowly but surely flooding our churches and that's just some of the things that I've noticed. There's there's plenty more I've seen. You know, that's just some of the things that I've noticed. But I just, those are the ones that are much more evident and much more noticeable. Now, the other thing I have noticed a lot around social media, and you probably have too, and this is, I've seen this in like merchandise, on on shirts and mugs and I don't know what else. I think frames and like those big, huge frames that people are put, are, are putting over their daughter's cribs is Psalm 46, 5. And let me tell you that I have seen a lot, okay, a lot of Bible verses taken out of context. But this is by far the most obvious one as far as feminism is concerned. And I hope that you can see how serious I am about this whole feminism thing flooding our churches. And if you read Psalm 46, 5, it says, God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Now, notice there's, if I were to just read that Bible verse, obviously because of the pronouns being used, you know, she, her, you're going to think that they're talking about a woman. Now, I want to make it clear. Sorry, just clap there. Just kind of a reaction. I want to make it clear that I don't think it's wrong to wear Bible verses. Okay, I don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong to have Bible verses on mugs or, or on frames or whatever. I don't think that. But I do think it's wrong if you are trying to imply an interpret an interpretation that is wrong because then you are abusing the scripture to imply something that it that the scripture never meant to imply that God never meant to imply okay we have to be very careful that when we're using scripture we are using it in the context that it was meant to be used now i'm going to read to you from the beginning of Psalm 46 so that you can maybe, most likely, um, notice something. 
So here we go. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams may glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. If I asked you right now, what is the most obvious thing about that context? I hope that you are able to notice that the context of that Bible verse never mentions a woman, a lady, little girl, no female. It mentions no female human being. Now, notice what the context does say. I'm going to go up a verse, verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. I'm sorry. She will not fall. I can't, did I? Have I been saying fail the whole time? Okay, sorry. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. It's talking about a city, more specifically the city of God. Okay, now, if you look at this um, chapter in Psalm 46, right at the top, it says, For the director of music of the sons of Korah, according to Alamath, a song. It's a song. Um, personification, personification, personification. Notice how I'm doing that, okay? Person, personification would be how, like, I would say it in Canada. Personific, personification. <laughs> Here we go. Personification is commonly used in songs and poems, especially back in those days. Um, so here you can see and you can tell that they are referring to the city of God as a her or she, which is commonly done when it's about cities or places. This is especially true, again, for songs and poems. So when people are using this Bible verse, usually on merchandise, it's merchandise for women. And they're trying to imply that it's talking about a woman. It's not. Here's, here's, here's the worst. Here's the worst part, guys. Let's suppose it was talking about a woman. Let's suppose it was talking about, I don't know, pick a name, Esther. Okay, let's pretend that this Bible verse is talking about Esther. Even if it was talking about some female character in the Bible, why are we going to selfishly make it about us? If it was saying, if it was saying God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day and referring to another female biblical character, it's still not talking about me. It's still not talking about some present female person. It's to, it would be talking about another female Bible character. But here's the thing. We can't even get selfish about this Bible verse because it's not even talking about a woman in the first place. It's talking about a city. There's 
absolutely no reason why we should be using this Bible verse referring to any person. So please, I I beg you that you allow the word of God to replace any false ideas you may have about the Bible. And I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm not asking you to do what I say. What I'm asking you is to verify what I'm saying with the Bible. Go open your Bible, read this chapter, and realize it on your own. Okay? I'm not asking you to ever take my word for anything that I say. I am asking you to verify, to make sure that what I'm saying is true. And please, if you ever hear me say something that is wrong, that is false, please, I am asking you to let me know. I'll be glad to correct myself. I'll be glad to make sure that I go back and say, hey, what I said here was wrong. I'll be glad to do so. So this is just my rant on how I want to point out that feminism is just going crazy in the church. It's something that is hurting the church. It's hurting our female friends. It's hurting our mothers, sisters, daughters. And frankly, it is something we can avoid. It's something we can stop. But we have to be willing to give up the false ideas because most of the time, the reason we like to keep these ideas is because they somehow make us feel good. But I promise you that in the end, it's just hurting you. I know that it feels good to think that earning more money will somehow make you more important or somehow make you count in society. And that's a thought that I can see why it would make you feel good. Because it would be something you earn, that you work hard for, and that you're somehow making a parallel connection to your value and your worth. But even though it may feel good to believe it, if it's false, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt those around you because you're going to believe this is true. And so you're going to teach it to your children. You're going to teach it to your friends um, and anyone who can listen. And you just want to make sure that as you as you fight these feminist ideas, that you are willing to replace them with the word of God. And it's not always going to be what you like or what feels good, but it's going to be the truth. And that's the thing. That's, that's the thing about truthfully thinking. You know, you just, you have to be willing to let go of the false ideas you have. Because even if they feel good to believe, if they are false, they are still going to hurt you more than you think. Even when you don't see it, it will hurt you, those around you, and especially the church. I want to repeat, I completely understand when non-Christians believe these false ideas. They don't have the truth. They don't know the truth. They're blinded by these false ideas. So it makes sense 
But I beg of you that if you identify as a Christian, identify as a godly woman, do not give into these ideas. Learn to recognize them. Learn to recognize them and point them out. Maybe not necessarily to the person, although if they were your friend, please do so. But point them out to yourself so that you realize, you know what? That is not biblical. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to act on that. It's really important that you are able to point them out and even try to process it with your husband or if you're a man, your spouse, your, your wife. It's really important that you try to process that information even with someone whom you can trust, who can be, um, uh, who will help you biblically process it to make sure that you're not off. I do that a lot with my husband. Whenever I'm not too sure if something I noticed is unbiblical, if I'm not too sure if I'm on the right track, I try to process it with him. And he's a great help when I do that. And learn, be willing to learn. You know, it's, it's so easy to express wanting to grow. But the problem is that in order to grow, you need to be, el- be um, you need to be willing to be corrected and be pointed out the mistakes you're making, the false ideas that you have. And hopefully, hopefully I can help with that. I think that women have an extremely important role in their families, in society. I personally do not feel oppressed and I'm so grateful to God for living in this country, for all the opportunities that I have, for being able to um, raise my children in a godly way, even if I work. Um, And even if I was a stay-at-home mom, it's still just as important to be a mom, a housewife. And I think they just, we need to get out of this whole idea of our position in society somehow making us count or making us important or making us who we are. That's not what makes us who we are. And with that, I just want to leave you and say, um, you know, that's my rant for the day. I wanted to really start off with feminism because I will be touching on that quite a bit, and I do want to make this a channel, um, an avenue to discuss everything. You know, I I love to talk about theology and apologetics and just the Christian lifestyle and all that and truth-seeking, but overall, I want to make sure that anything, any topics that I talk about are also accessible to women, and that includes feminism, because I I just think that as women, we need to care more about this. We need to um, want to learn more about this and how to recognize the false ideas that society is just feeding at our female uh, friends, at our daughters and, and sisters and moms, and be able to say, hey, no, that's wrong. That's false. I'm not going to teach that to my kids. I'm not going to believe it. And to remember that the Bible is ultimately um, our source of authority, not our ideas, not our feelings, not our happiness, but the Bible. And with that, I'm just going to leave you guys. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope to reach you guys in the next episode. And without 
all my truth-seeking mates. Until next time. Thank you.